everyone, it's Maria. And this is Jordan. Welcome back to Major Musings. Welcome back. How you doing, Jordan? I'm doing good. Um, I'm getting over a cold a little bit, so I apologize if my voice sounds slightly weird or if I just randomly cough or sniffle, but... <laughs> Do you secretly have COVID and you're just not telling me? No, I promise. <laughs> I promise I it's don't. It's fine. This is on Zoom anyway, so I, I yeah. could care less. <laughs> well, no, I do care about you. But there's no way I can come back from that. It's fine. It's fine. I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> I am. I am. Thank you. How are okay. you doing? I'm good. Um, I actually wanted to tell you and everyone something exciting happened today. Oh? That um, So the master's program... At the one that I'm in at UChicago is like a very specific one, and there's about a hundred of us, a hundred and twenty of us. Oh my god, that's yeah, wow, I know. Um, but so they emailed us saying that they set up a Discord channel for us oh. to introduce one another, uh, to introduce ourselves to one another. So I'm kind of going through it, and I'm like, okay, I'm not seeing any art history people. Really, it's like. Uh, this was only since last night. Like, okay. it was about 20 people had replied to it. So I'm like, okay, I'm not really seeing anything that I'd be interested in. And then I get to this one person who not only majored in art history, but their interests are in, like, Arab art, specifically Palestinian art. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. Wow. And they linked their Instagram, so I followed them. Um, and I... DM them I was very excited and they're like oh my god I just saw your message too that's so exciting that we're like similar things we should definitely hang out when you get here I'm like oh my god yes yeah <laughs> so I have a friend now yay <laughs> so that's cool also yeah they should listen to the podcast I followed <laughs> them through the podcast okay. and they're like oh I'm looking through it it looks interesting I'm like yes please they've also written some stuff I will send to you oh um, cool their whole profile is super cool so that's awesome yeah. wow you know what we'll leave that in sorry that was my dog <laughs> <laughs> it's fine it's fine <laughs> but anyways um uh, this week is your turn yes what are we talking about um I also just wanted to say real quick before we oh, jump yes before we jump into my artist that um I, I I told you this yesterday but I just wanted to tell the listeners because I'm Pretty excited that the research paper that I worked on for my internship oh, yes. last year was uh, finally published yesterday. So, so exciting. We yeah. will add it to the link tree yeah. so people can see it. The publication is like an online journal. So, yep. So it'll be online for people to view. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. But Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I just wanted to... Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there before before we jump into this, Perfect. this episode. So... Yes. Today, I am going to talk about a Danish artist um, whose name is Runa Bossa, and that wasn't the okay. best pronunciation of his name, but... Um, it's better than what it was in my head. <laughs> yeah. You're good. <laughs> so he, he's, really, he's a really cool artist working currently. He was born in 1987 in Copenhagen but he grew up in a small town in southwestern Zealand, which mm. is the largest island that makes up Denmark. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there is, like, the actual, like, peninsula 
part of Denmark that is attached to the European continent. And then the rest of Denmark is just like a bunch of different islands. And so Mm -hmm. Zealand is the biggest one. And that is the island where Copenhagen is on. So Bossa attended the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts. And he studied specifically in the School of Time-Based Media. He also was a student at the Institute for Spatial Experiments, which uh, I believe is based in Berlin, in Germany. And it was founded uh, in part by the artist Olaf Eliasson, who I know I've mentioned him before, just like in passing. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's a really cool contemporary artist. He does a lot of stuff like a lot of climate activism too, which I think is really gotcha. awesome. Um, and I <laughs> I think last time I mentioned him, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do an episode on him. And I haven't yet. You so lied. I know. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll add him to my, to my growing list. Add of, him to the list. Yeah, yes. of future artists to talk about. But anyway, I, I think this is worthwhile noting in terms of Bossa because – uh, Eliasson is also a Danish artist who is interested in environmentally based works, site specific mm-hmm. works, kind of stuff related to climate. And Bassa is also very much interested in a lot of these things as well. Right. So then, just going back to his childhood environment real quickly, I want to mention this because I think it's important to note that he did, you know, move out of Copenhagen. I don't know what age that was, but. You know, he spent his childhood growing up into adulthood in a more rural setting. So he was close Mm. to both a forest and a beach, which is super cool. I I, I love how Denmark is just like beach over here and then like we've got a forest as well. It's very beautiful. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. And so this, this has greatly informed his artistic practice in terms of how he uses nature and natural Mm -hmm natural matter or organic material in his works. Right. He takes on both a very poetic and scientific approach to the artistic process, and he sometimes uses actual scientific tools and methods to comprise the works. Mm -hmm. So, like, he'll use... I don't know the correct terminology for this, but like, it's all good. There's there's a tool that you can like stick in the ground and like extract dirt samples. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I feel like I know what you're talking about, but yeah, at right. The same time, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have like tried to find out what this is That's called, okay. but it's yeah. But anyway, so he'll he'll use tools like that mm-hmm. in in the the process of of getting the the material for the works or then he will use um other like scientific processes which Mm -hmm. I will talk about uh for for one of the works specifically but Mm -hmm. it's very much like a interdisciplinary thing going on and so a lot of his stuff is kind of like sculpture or installation pieces for specific sites Mm -hmm. But he also will often write poetry that accompanies the works. And so I'm going to, for the two works I'm going to feature, I'm also going to read a bit of the poems that he he wrote to go with those because I think they're both really beautiful. And so one quote from Bossa is that, My works are not so much about nature, 
but more using nature to investigate other subjects in the world. And so I, I think this is really interesting, actually, because when I first learned about him, I was like, oh, he's like interested in, you know, climate change or how the earth has been impacted by humans. And I think, I think he's indirectly interested in that, but Hmm. he's not taking so much of like an activist stance. It's more of using nature and natural materials to investigate. To investigate. Yeah, Yeah. And like to investigate other, other things in terms of like, human humanity's relationship with nature or the nature of time and humans or time and nature and so it's you know kind of a small difference but just something that I learned in in researching Mm -hmm. him more Um, and he so he kind of views nature as a basic language that can hide simple answers to complicated questions Mm -hmm. and so one of the reasons that he enjoys and values natural objects and and material is because of how interconnected it all is to everything. And it can really show, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of hidden relationships between human, the human and non-human world. And he has also said that by being in a natural environment and participating with the earth through the trees, there becomes this sort of embodied knowledge that can be possessed as opposed to if you're just reading about something in in books or mm. you know so you're being you're experiencing it firsthand and right. actually you know creating some sort of relationship with the material that you're using mm-hmm. and i almost want to say analyzing it's it's not analyzing yeah. in the sense of like like a scientist would but you know utilizing this material in right in a way and so one example of a question that kind of permeates his artistic practice is what is time which (laughs) is a really big question what is time what is time and you know I feel like people are probably like tired of hearing me talk about time or deep time or whatever if that's the case, they're definitely tired of hearing me talk about uh, how I empathize with my artists. <laughs> so it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm, I'm not going to talk about deep time here, but instead we're going to talk about circular time because mm-hmm. um, Bossa is more interested in this idea that time is circular and that it kind of comes back in on itself. And I, mm-hmm. I've talked about that for you know in reference to a few of the other artists that I've brought right. up in the past but he really is interested in in this and you can see it in even down to the title of of one of the works um mm-hmm. and so this is the the first one that I'm going to talk about this is a good okay. segue it was the uh I don't know how to word it um it was an installation from 2016 that was part of the annual exhibition by graduates of the Royal Academy in in Denmark. Okay. So this was kind of like his you know kind of like MFA thesis piece if, if that helps put it into perspective. Okay, and so Maria, this is exciting because is it? Yes, this uh exhibit was actually held at one of the museums that we visited in Copenhagen. Oh, yeah, that trip. I know that was 
such a good time. Such a great time. Um, but yeah, it was. Thought I had COVID the first couple of days. Maybe I did. We'll never know. I know that truly. Like I think about that so much. <laughs> Sorry. <It's> fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was held at the Kunsthal Charlottenburg or Borg, uh, which is actually affiliated with the Royal Academy. So that makes okay. sense. Why it was there? Yeah. Yeah, but so when you're looking at pictures from it, um, you might recognize kind of the space that it was in because it's the same, mm. like, flooring and the white walls. And it and the um, the pictures that I'm going to be – or that correspond to the first piece that I'm talking about are in the first post on Instagram mm-hmm. that we have. Yeah, that one is beautiful. Yeah. And so this installation or this, you know, the piece in total because – I'm going to include the the poem along with it. It's mm-hmm. called Tempus Circularis Fagus Sylvatica. And okay. that is Latin for circular time, common beach. And that is B-E-E-C-H. So like referring to the species of the tree. Okay. Yeah. And the title is referring to what... Bossa is investigating here, which is the circularity of time as well as the material of the work itself, which, like I just said, is a beech tree, and mm-hmm. this is a very common type of tree in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And so the work documents the different stages that a tree passes through during a year-long cycle. So it was around every third week starting in April 2015 going through April 2016 that mm-hmm. he cut a branch of the beech tree and sliced it very, very thin so that it was oh. about two to three millimeters in, I oh guess, width. Yeah, so very thin. And he then, you know, placed it, or I guess it was kind of pressing it, um, in between the two, like, panes of glass so mm-hmm. that the color of the branch at the specific time that he cut it could be preserved. And so like what I was mentioning earlier where he is, you know, utilizing some of these scientific processes, like this is definitely an example of one that, you know, you're putting the the specimen, quote unquote, in between the two pieces of glass. Mm -hmm. And immediately I think I'm like reminded of high school when you're looking at something under a microscope or then also, you know, pressing it to to preserve it too. So right. for the installation at the Kunsthal, the tree is assembled in the shape of its original form. So, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of is set up to look like a tree, but the seasons are interwoven. So you'll see brown and red leaves right next to the green ones. And, you know, same thing kind of with the roots, but it's not as evident there. Obviously you can really see it in, in terms right. of the leaves. And it creates this really beautiful artifact that shows yeah. the whole annual cycle of the tree at once. The rounded shape of the installation itself, so like how the glass panels with the leaves and the branches are hung, mm-hmm. that is circular, which is hearkening to this idea of circular time as well as just, you know, the general shape of a tree right. itself. But it, it really is is forcing you to think of this cycle like a, of, of the seasons. Of yeah. yeah, yeah. And it also represents a kind of suspended time because parts of the beach have been preserved in the glass forever, 
Whereas in nature, it, it would have died at some point naturally mm-hmm. and then decomposed. But this would have been over hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. Ho- I mean, hopefully as long as climate change didn't affect that. Um, I'm sorry, what's that? I've never heard of it. Cough, cough, Mylan's ghost forest. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so by by cutting the tree and preserving it in this way, Bossa is allowing us to see a process that normally would not be perceived by the human eye in this way. And it's kind of twofold. Mm-hmm. So one, we're able to see this annual cycle of growth, death, and then rebirth all at once. Whereas normally, you know, obviously right. you can only experience one season or one month or one day at a time. And the the second part is that this cycle has been interrupted and has been stopped forever. So the circle is simultaneously complete and broken because, you know, normally in, in nature, the death of trees and other plant matter and then the eventual decomposition is vital for the success of the forest and, or, you know, of any, any environment and habitat. And so and so that in itself is a cycle, one that plays out for way longer than just one year, obviously. And so right. it's, it's really interesting to see the multiple, multiple cycles that have been preserved through this, this piece. And so, like I said earlier, along with the glass panels of the tree parts, he also wrote a poem to accompany the installation. And mm-hmm. the poem is titled the same thing as the whole piece, which is Tempus, Circulus, or Circularis, Fagus, Sylvatica. And the poem also kind of deals with circular time as well as the relationship of the narrator to both trees and time. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read a few lines from the poem that I think showcase Uh, some of what he's trying to get across so sure yeah it starts first I wanted to talk with the time then I met a tree the same tree several times it is no longer the same I am no longer the same I think about something that is constantly changing does it change and then I'm going to skip down some verses to just do another short little one Mm mm-hmm We talk about how time is space. We said, time is a space where you can see it. Space time. So I don't entirely know what the little space time thing means, but I think it's cute. I like it though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it kind of encapsulates what he's trying to hit at in Mm -hmm. in his works of creating this environment this installation, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. is able to, you know, kind of give some materiality to time because time is so, you know, it's so hard to to quantify time. Well, quantify as if we don't have watches, but you you know what I'm talking about, where yeah, it's no, hard to it. to understand it in a material or physical sense and so I so with with something like this he's really trying to to show in a material way 
how how we can understand time. Mm-hmm. And so we have space time. <laughs> and so then another piece that I want to talk about is called the trail or time between trees. And this was in 2019, and it was a mm-hmm. large-scale installation for the Overgen Museum, which is also in Copenhagen. And it is a contemporary art museum, and it seems like it's really cool from the website, and I'm very sad that we didn't go to it for whatever reason. I um, know. I, we, we went to a lot of places, so we probably just ran out of time. <laughs> this is true. We were nonstop that trip. Yeah. Yeah. But so this, this space, like I said, it hosts a lot of contemporary artists, mm-hmm. and for Bossa's exhibit... This was uh, one of his first solo exhibitions as well. Okay. So, you know, he, he graduated from the Royal Academy in 2016 and then has d- he, he's done a few other exhibits here and there. And then this was his first solo one. Mm. And it's a, it's a big way to, to have a, a solo exhibition once, yeah, <laughs> once I mean, you hear. Yeah, the images are stunning. Yeah. So... It is a multi-room, multimedia installation space that took over the entire ground floor of the museum. And when you entered the gallery space, you would walk into what looked like a laboratory. And this showed Boss's research, uh, research materials, so different organic materials and plants, as well as like some drawings and different vials and vases and yeah and when when you look at pictures it almost looks more like a scientist lab not necessarily yeah. like an artist's studio <laughs> it really does what is the what is the term for people who specialize in plants um a botanist there you go. It looks like a botanist lab. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's um, like jars of dirt with plants sticking out. And you can see some of those like agricultural tools that I yeah. was kind of talking about where I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know the name of them. And I don't think the little dirt one that, <laughs> that I was referencing earlier, I don't know if that's there. But yeah, you can see that there's a lot of non-artistic stuff in there and so agriculture agricultural yeah yeah and so it's really like preparing you for the type of experience that you're that you would encounter Yeah. yeah so when you leave this room you would then walk down a hallway that's covered in dirt and plant debris and broken glass and broken windows broken wooden beams and then you enter this larger room, too, that looks very similar. And it really looks like you're entering this place of ruin, even though you're still in a museum space. Right. And Bossa is using this space to sort of imagine what a museum would look like hundreds of years in the future after humanity is gone and mm. after the plant world has taken over earth again and actually I just I just want to say real quick I'm going to correct myself that I hope it's not hundreds of years that I hope it's thousands of years before humanity's gone but (laughs) one can hope you know yeah 
I said that, and I was like, oh, God, that's a little pessimistic. Um, but that's fine. I mean, if, given the past year, it's yeah. okay. But, um, yeah, I was looking at the pictures. You know, it's very interesting because when you look at it, it looks like it's completely out of control and in, in disarray. It's it's ex- essentially organized chaos. Yeah. And when you think about it, he's not only is he, you know, uh, talking about the relationship of human with nature, but I, I and I don't know if he really thinks about this. This is just something I'm thinking about right now. But kind of like, what does it mean to be an artwork? Uh, what does it mean to store an artwork? You yeah, know, like th- once this was over, like how did they take it apart? I'm assuming the dirt probably went into the trash or. Who knows? Or whether he preserved it. I don't know. But it brings up interesting conversations about that as well. Yeah, for sure. And like how I I, I think he also is probably, even if not explicitly, he's probably implicitly engaging as well with other artists, whether they are or identify as land artists or conceptual artists who were very much engaged in how the natural world can be brought into the museum space and how something could be specific to the site that it was meant for. And so yeah, I, I haven't seen anywhere that he specifically has said this person was an influence to me, but I thought mm-hmm. of immediately after I saw pictures of this I- installation, I thought of Walter De Maria's New York Earth Room which okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Maria, but it... I don't think I am, but I'll look it up as you're talking. Yeah, it... I, I'm not super, super familiar with it. Like, I don't know a ton about it. I just know that it exists. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, I believe it was originally installed and shown in Germany, but it now is permanently on view in uh, Manhattan, because the mm-hmm. Dia Art Foundation is the one that kind of owns it. and Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah, it's just kind of like a room filled with dirt. <laughs> That's it? That's what I'm looking at right now, yeah? Yep. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you can still go in because of, like, COVID and stuff, but to my understanding... It is temporarily closed. Okay. I feel like I, I stumbled trying to say temporarily that's okay. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess before COVID, you'd be able to go and walk in mm-hmm. it. Um, and then I, I also thought as well... Wait, question. Yeah. Do you walk on the dirt? I believe so. <gasps> oh my God. Maybe. I, don't, don't quote me on that. Um, maybe. That would be fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm, don't wear white, but yeah. <laughs> I'm... I, did, I also did a quick Google search because I wanted to see if I could see if people were walking on it. And mm-hmm. it seems like they are, at least from these, like, older pictures of when Walter De Maria was installing it. He's standing on blocks of dirt. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. that looks really cool. Yeah. Anyway, proceed. I, I also was reminded of... A piece by by Olafur Eliasson, which is called Riverbed, and I don't know if you're familiar with that one either, Maria. But no. that was 
originally installed at the Louisiana Museum in Denmark, which we visited. Okay. And with that one, he, oh my God, I think he used like, oh my God, it had to be like six or eight different rooms, like like a whole wing of the museum. And he basically created a stream that just flowed through it. And there were rocks and there was literally a little, you know, a little mini river that was just running through the gallery (laughs) and people could walk through it and around it. And Oh, the pictures of that look beautiful as well. I just, yeah. I just am like a sucker for the juxtaposition of earth and natural materials in the white in the white walls of the gallery space. I just, oh, chef's it's kiss. It's very aesthetically pleasing. Yes, I do yeah. agree with you there. And so, especially considering that Bossa studied at Olafur's institute that he helped found, mm-hmm. I have to wonder if if he might have been a little inspired by that because I mean obviously they're not they're not doing the same thing Um, and I don't know a ton about Olafur's piece either in terms of like what he specifically was looking to do with Riverbed but Mm -hmm. I I mean I know with with Bossa it, it definitely is more of this interest in like how the how the plants and nature can kind of reclaim the the human spaces for the future. And so kind of going along with that, what is also really cool with this particular space and the specific time that he was exhibiting it is that the Overgaden was already planning to do a renovation of the building at this time. So they kind of let Bossa do what he wanted with the space and so like you mentioned earlier that it just kind of looks like it's in disarray yeah they just kind of let that happen and we're like yep we'll just keep it like that because it's wow yeah they allowed him to just let whatever happen happen it really became you know this natural process taking over the space Mm -hmm. and so one example that I found online which I thought was really really awesome too is that well, <laughs> this first part <laughs> does not sound super awesome, but the electricity supply was apparently damaged in some way. So mm. while the exhibition was up, you know, the lighting gradually got worse and the exhibit opened in September and, you know, as it becomes winter, the days become shorter and so the right. natural light throughout the day also was getting less and less. So if you went to see this in December as opposed to when it opened in September, you would have a very different viewing experience because it would be a lot darker probably as you're walking through this space. That's very interesting. Yeah, so I think that is really cool as well. So there's this really interesting play between the human hand and then nature that's that's going Mm -hmm. on here. So, you know... Bossa was investigating the circularity of time in Tempus Circularis, but then he is, you know, kind of going back to that for the trail or time between trees. And this is much more site specific, though. So it's, you know, larger right. scale because he is literally using a larger space, 
but it's also very specific to the space that he's in. Right. Because of the fact that the museum building was also going to be kind of, I don't want to say decomposing, but, you know. Taken down. Yeah, kind of going into into ruin in mm-hmm. a way. And so visitors are visitors were afforded this radically different and unique exhibition experience as mm-hmm. well as a way to interact with nature that they wouldn't really be able to normally yeah. because you know it's one thing to go out and especially in in Denmark it's pretty easy once you leave the city to find the countryside and to to interact with nature mm-hmm. but it's still not going to be quite in this way because no yeah this is i mean you're really seeing how potentially in the future when humans are no longer here nature is going to retake control of the earth and take over our buildings and what what we used to be and and like like what you were questioning earlier with like what what is like the future of the art object or what role mm-hmm. does the art object play or you know what what does this mean for museums too like what what is going to be their role once humanity is gone and yeah so i just looked this up real quick to remember the name but had you seen the documentary by david attenborough a life on our planet i don't think so it's on netflix i highly recommend oh okay um but essentially it's like he calls it his final witness statement about just the planet, because he's been a nature documenter. Is that documentarian? He's yes. For yeah. for most of his life, he's ninety three years old right now. Oh wow! So yeah, and this came out last year. But in it, the reason why I thought about it is because he walks through this abandoned town that where you see nature has taken over all of the buildings. Oh. So he kind that's how he starts off the documentary and that's how he ends it. And, you know, he's essentially saying, you know, um, a lot of the time the rhetoric is we have to save our planet so that it doesn't die. Mm-hmm. But really the planet's going to be fine. We're yeah. the ones who are going to cease to exist right so that he kind of frames it in that way and it was very just very eye-opening so yeah to you and to everyone else you gotta watch this it's okay very good. the visuals are stunning so, oh i yeah. i bet i'm very intrigued now yeah. yeah because yeah you're you're right or i guess he's right he's right too that yeah i wish i could say i'm right <laughs> <laughs> that that it is humans like we're doing all of this damage to ourselves like this is all of our own fault and like if anything it's gonna be the plants that take back over Mm -hmm. like they're the nature will be fine it'll figure itself out and just grow again yeah yeah it's woo (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot (laughs) yeah but yeah so so similar to uh tempest circularis bossa also wrote a poem that goes along with this work and Mm -hmm. it's really beautiful and I want to read some parts of it as well because I think it really captures what he's interested in investigating and so Mm -hmm. this poem is a bit longer and I wanted to read uh, a longer excerpt from it so just bear with me as I read (laughs) as I read more of it I'm going to read a few verses from the beginning and then from the end as well because I think it it'll wrap it up really nicely um 
So remember how long my quote from Mona Hatum was two weeks ago? You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap up. (laughs) Okay, so I want to describe the space around and assume the position of the large plant eater on the organism's premise. I accept the limitation of my powers and I become almost powerless, finding a place in the cycle and without mechanical extensions. I become an animal in the forest again. How do we change to not only see, but sense connections? Because we don't want to go back. Although the memory awakens knowledge about the inevitable melting together, we try to understand the trail and sense the time. Perhaps it wishes for presence. And so again, I feel like, especially at the end with this, Perhaps it wishes for presence. I feel like he's really trying to find a way to kind of personify and give physical form to time yeah. and to. I like the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, I don't remember it verbatim, but I do like the verse where he. It's at the very beginning where mm-hmm. he's like, "I acknowledge the limits of my powers. I walk into this, and I'm essentially powerless." Yeah. Which I thought was a really beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, I, I think when when you spend more and more time in nature, I think it is easier to recognize truly like how little humans well not how little we impact the world because Mm -hmm. unfortunately we do that too much now but but just you know kind of going on the sublime how small we are (laughs) in the truly huge and whatever (laughs) you know yeah it's true and again it goes back to this point of we think that something as large as the ecosystem is what's going to crumble in the end but we're the ones who are going to crumble in yeah if we don't start changing things yeah and i i also really like he the the one verse he says how do we change to not only see but sense connections yeah i like that one because i think i think that is really critical because mm-hmm. it's like once once you understand like how interconnected we are to the whole world so including the non-human inhabitants right. it really it's really hard to not see and not be aware of all of those mm-hmm. connections and i think that's that's why he values working with nature and working with yeah. organic material so much even if it's just dirt you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. something as simple as that. It really, it shows us how we're all connected and all part of the same DNA, so, so to speak, at, yeah, at our core. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I mean, his his works in total have been described as poetic, but I really love that he has written actual poetry to accompany mm-hmm. these, these installation pieces because yeah. I think it just adds an element to the works that I think is really valuable because it's, it's one thing to, to experience and to walk through a space like the trail between the trees and time or whatever. I apologize for getting the name wrong, but, but you know, for, for people like us who 
can't physically experience that, I think the poem is is really crucial and right. important and it adds a lot of depth to the work. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think I think that's kind of a good place to to wrap it up. Um, that was great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I again, like I said at the end of the last episode, I did reach out to him, but he's enjoying life as a new a new dad. So I'm very happy for him, and I'm glad I was able to still talk about him and his work. He did like our post. Oh, the first post. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, you Runa. <laughs> Tack. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, thanks for listening. Yeah, of course. Who are you going to be talking about for the next episode? So actually, I've recently been... Um, a relative of mine has kind of this digital platform called Artsotic on Instagram. And um, it's essentially kind of like an online gallery that she hopes to expand into a physical one. Oh, cool. But she's, represent- she's representing a few artists at the moment. And she's had me kind of join her, like, to help her out with some things. Um, and I'm excited because, you know, she represent- she's based in Jordan, so she represents pretty much Middle Eastern Arab artists. Um, So this is one artist that I found out about through her, and I've been researching her because I plan on potentially interviewing her in a few weeks, but her name is Hanat Malala. She is an Iraqi artist, and she's living in England currently, um, and she's actually best known for developing a ke- technique called the ruins technique. That's what she's most famous Ooh, for. Okay. Um, which is essentially found objects being incorporated into the artwork. So I'm excited to talk about her and yeah. to, you know, share more about her in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Like between her and then the, the other online platform thing that your relative does. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, it's exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. And as always, you can – I our Twitter has not been very active recently <laughs> just because this is a podcast with artwork, so Instagram just makes more sense. So yeah. you will find all of our updates on there um, and, you know, link tree for the sources as well as a link to listen to the podcast. And we will also include a link. To Jordan's published paper. So, Woo. <laughs> woohoo. But um, thanks, everyone, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.